Entrepreneur Circle is an on-air brands production and a proud member of the On-Air Brands Network. Hey folks, welcome to the 150th episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for following along on my journey, being a part of the conversation, and really joining anything and everything that we do here at On Air Brands and PodMax. I truly, truly love each and every one of you for everything you've done, everything you provided, and everything you've shared throughout this journey. So 150 episodes, what a milestone. And to celebrate that milestone with me, Mr. Hal Elrod spoke on our stage. I had an opportunity to chat with him at a PodMax event, and this is that chat. Enjoy, and thank you, thank you, thank you again. Congratulations to you to me, and to all who've enjoyed Entrepreneur Circle for 150 episodes. Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle, Eric Cabral. On this episode, guys and gals, we get one life, and, and we can either suffer because things aren't exactly as we want them to be, or we can be at peace, we can have joy, we can, instead of being stressed out, we can choose to be blissed out. And it has nothing to do with what's going on around us and everything to do with what's going on inside of us when we're intentional and we make that choice. You have now entered the entrepreneur circle. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. My goal is to inspire you by chatting with entrepreneurs about their successes, their failures in life and in business. I am your most humbled host, Eric Cabral, a real estate investor, a creative, and I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years. Got my start in New York City as a junior art director, made my way to the top of the corporate ladder and realized there was the proverbial glass ceiling. So I hung up my corporate hat and started my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using podcasts and social media marketing, along with the help of my other company, PodMax, which hosts live and virtual events for top performing entrepreneurs to get them on podcasts and to learn from our keynote speakers and our massive network. So to learn more about that event, hit up podmax.co and sign up for the next event. They're happening each and every month. So as always, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast with two to three of your friends to continue growing our community and to help others grow from the knowledge shared here and learned here on this podcast. And before we jump into the show, I'd like to share some of what our sponsors, partners, and good friends have to offer you. Are you ready to invest in real estate but don't have the time or enough education to do it by yourself? Accountable Equity helps accredited investors who are looking for tax-advantaged investments. So anyone looking for a team of professionals who hold themselves accountable with theirs and your real estate investments, Accountable Equity is your boots-on-the-ground team. Their mission is to bring private offerings to their investors and their clients. With a team of committed and experienced investors themselves, Accountable Equity is always looking for partners to participate in alternative investments which extend beyond publicly traded equities like stocks. Accountable Equity makes alternative passive cash flow possible for more people than ever before in our economy. To find out more, visit AccountableEquity.com. That's AccountableEquity.com. Or look for them on LinkedIn or Facebook. That's AccountableEquity.com or AccountableEquity. 
That's Accountable Equity, your partner for true passive real estate investments. All right, we're going to uh, pass it off officially to Eric Cabral and Hal Elrod for the keynote presentation of PodMax 8. Let's do it. Yes, yes. So grateful and honored to be here with you all, the PodMax tribe, but especially because we've been talking about this a long, for a long, long, long time. And Hal, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here, Eric, and nice talking to you for the second time in the last week or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, if it were up to me, I, I'd chat with you every day. Can I tell you something that's kind of funny? Um, the other morning, well, maybe, I don't know, it was a week or so ago, I, I was finishing up my affirmations and bzz, bzz, my phone rings and uh, it's seven o'clock in the morning and I'm like, who the heck is texting me at seven in the morning? So I ignore it until I'm done with my thing and I look over, it's Hal Elrod and I'm like, of course, I, I mean, I'm not going to give him any grief. He's, he's the reason I'm up this early. <laughs> nice. That was on my lunch break. <laughs> But then I realized, dude, that it was, you're an hour ahead of me. So you even er, up earlier. So yeah, I was quite, but anyway, uh, yeah, thank you for being here. So, so for anyone who doesn't know, the magical, mystical, miracle maven himself is here. He is the creator of, of the Miracle Morning. He sold over a million. Is it over a million or is it two million at this point? Two, two million. Yeah. One, two million books sold over 100 countries around the world. And it's not just the Miracle Morning, which we all have grown to love and, and incorporate and changed all of our lives. But, you know, it's also a slew of books, you know, including Millionaire, Miracle Morning for Millionaires, Miracle Morning for Writers, Real Estate Agents, Salespeople, Parents, this one I love with our brother, our, our, our co-gobro. Uh, Mike McCarthy. And then um, now the latest one, and I didn't even mention all of them, but the latest one, The Miracle Equation. Congratulations on that, brother. Absolutely amazing. I yeah, love that. Thank book. you. That was the, and that, that, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, that is the first traditionally published book that I've ever done. So every, all the other books, Miracle Morning included, are all uh, self-published. And then uh, Miracle Equation last year was the first that was ever, you know, oh. a real with a, a big boy publisher, big girl oh, publisher. So, <laughs> so tell us why, why, why the transition to, from that to that? Yeah. So um, when the Miracle Morning, first of all, thank you for having me, Eric yes, and, and yes. Josh and everybody. Uh, it's it's it really, it's such a pleasure to be here. We I really it. appreciate it. And Jen, you kicked it off like you made my day. So um, I'm going to keep saying your name over and over and over. Um, but uh, the where was I going with that? Oh, so when I wrote The Miracle Morning, now when I started writing it, it was like 2009, I think, eight or nine. And self-publishing back then was, you know, podcasting wasn't very big. Self-publishing wasn't very big. In fact, self-publishing, I think, still had kind of a stigma where it's like, well, you self-publish if you can't get a real publisher, right? It's kind of like the do it yourself, you know, like you haven't really made it kind of thing. So I had this uh, uh, illusion that I needed to get a publisher to be able to reach a lot of people. And the more I researched that, I realized that, oh, that's not true, right? So traditional publishers and that whole model, the publisher keeps the majority of the profits. Um, they kind of, you know, unless you have a large platform, you're not going to get much of an advance. So you get very little money up front. They keep all the profits. And what I realize is they still expect you to do all of the marketing and all of the work. Cause think about it. It makes sense. If you're a publishing house, if you're a business and you go, okay, we have a marketing budget. We've got these 10 authors that are proven authorities that, that we know that if we get them in front of a, you know, an audience, everybody knows who these people are. They're going to buy their books. 
these guys, these are the, you know, the new newbies that they're lucky. We gave them a break. We're not going to put a, you know, any money behind them because nobody knows who they are. And so I realized I have to do all the work myself. So I decided my Hail Mary, and I think this is a good lesson for all of us to really bet on yourself, bet on your work, bet on your mission. I, I decided I'm, I'm committed to the Miracle Morning. I believe it can change millions of lives, change the world. So I will put in the work. Like I'm going to do the interviews. I'm going to do the speeches. I'm going to do the social media. I'm going to all do the work to go out and reach as many people as I need to or as I can. And, uh, and I thought the Hail Mary was, I thought I'm going to do that first so that then I have leverage. So then the publishers kind of come knocking on my door and go, hey, this Miracle Morning thing's popping up everywhere, you know, like, and then, and then I would have an audience to be able to actually command an advance from the publisher. So long story short, again, it was a Hail Mary because like, I didn't know, but that's what happened. Like the Miracle Morning sold over a hundred thousand copies in the first few years. And then I started getting connected to publishers and we got offers of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for the book. And we turned them all down because still earning more money, um, self-published cause you're getting, you know, 70% versus like 12%. Mm -hmm. Um, wow. and then finally, uh, about two years ago, a traditional publisher reached out and they said, Hey, we really would like to sign you on for a new book if you're up for it. And so I have an agent, so they negotiate the contract and stuff, but it was basically, it was me kind of testing the waters like, okay, you know, I'm now able to earn enough money that it makes sense to give this a shot. Um, and, uh, and so I traditionally published and, uh, and, you know, and, and the next book I'm doing, um, I, I liked their traditional publishing process. There's pros and cons between self-publishing. Um, and so the next book I'm going to do, I'm not going to, I'm just going to write it first and then I'm going to shop it around and decide if it makes sense to self-publish or traditionally. So, but that, that's kind of how that, you know, that led to, uh, from one to the other. And, and I still, for 99% of authors, if anybody here was thinking about writing a book, self-publishing is absolutely the way to go because the only way it makes sense, the only way a publisher makes it worth your time is if you have a large platform of, you know, I would, I always say about a hundred thousand people on the email list is when you want to start considering pursuing a, a traditional publisher. Love that. Love that. I love all that inside baseball. Cause I mean, everyone here, small to mid-sized businesses, you know, entrepreneurs, everyone trying to create a personal brand at some level. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for all those uh, golden nuggets so that, you know, when we get to the point as many have many authors here in the room, they, so they, yeah, I'm sure they, they understand and get it, but I, I want to get into the miracle morning and then eventually how, how this all just came to be, you know, we, and also I just love the equation that you've created here, you know, the unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort, you know, it just makes so, so much sense. But when you hear it said over and over, especially in thank you for reading your own book, by the way, I, I just love hearing the author's voice and you're so damn good at it. Um, <laughs> really, you. like I was, I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, how can really I don't know if you have acting in your background, but uh, yeah, there's uh, definitely you, you paint a picture when you start playing the characters in, um, in your book. But yeah, so, so I wanted to um, uh, ask you, you know, from possible to probable to inevitable, I even love that tagline. You, you, your story of how you use that equation, how you got here, but then the fundamental strategy. I wanted to ask you during your marketing efforts and how podcast guesting was really the a vital key to your to your plan 
Yeah. Yeah. So the Miracle Morning, when it published, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't a name. I didn't, I didn't have an audience. You know, I had a very small email list of a couple thousand of my Cutco customers from back in the day when I sold Cutco. Right. Um, but, uh, but that was it. And so, um, I was committed. I knew it was going to be the long game, you know, right. I didn't have this list or, or this audience or any connections to, you know, turn it into a New York times bestseller overnight or anything. And so, um, the, uh, the first month that the book came out, it sold 1800 copies on Amazon, which, you know, that's, and that's the month where you call in every favor, right? Like mom, dad, buy the book aunt, uncle, cousin, friends, coworkers, colleagues, you know, like you just, you know, you, you leverage every relationship that you have and then reality sets in and it drops down to, you know, month two, it was like 700 copies and then 300 copies the next month and then like 180, you know, and, and it stayed down there for a long time. Well, I decided to pursue podcasting as my marketing uh, avenue. Actually, I should say one of them. Um, so here's what I did. The first year that the Miracle Morning came out, my goal was to sell 1 million copies. And to be clear, and I described this, you know, in the Miracle Equation, that it was, it was kind of a pipe dream. It wasn't like I had a plan to sell a million copies. It was like, I'm just going to go for it, right? I want to change a million lives one morning at a time. And uh, that year, uh, I sold 13,000 copies, right? So 98.7% short of the goal, right? 980, you know, like not even close. I mean, that's like a dismal failure if you're going by the numbers, right? Um, but so the things that I did that year, my extraordinary effort to reach that million goal um, I launched my own podcast, Achieve Your Goals with Hal Elrod. I did 52 episodes as a way to kind of, you know, build an audience and nurture my current audience. Um, I did over 150 interviews on other people's podcasts. Uh, I did uh, 13 television interviews on morning shows around the country, local and national morning shows. Um, I gave 36 speeches. I was active in the Miracle Morning community Facebook group uh, almost every single day, just again, adding value, adding value, asking people to share, you know, the Miracle Morning. So, so I did everything in my power. I mean, I didn't leave anything on the table and, uh, and again, didn't hit the goal. Now, here's what I can tell you. I, I looked back, I was able to track numbers. Okay, I was on a TV show today. How many books did I sell? I was on a podcast today. How many books did I sell, right? And by far, podcasting was the biggest needle mover in every, all of my marketing efforts. And my, my theory as to why that is, is because, and by the way, before I share the theory, I didn't think it would be that way. I thought it was morning TV shows, right? Everybody thinks, oh, you get on TV. That, like, that's how you do it. And, um, and so, but what, what I realized is that if you're watching, people that watch television don't necessarily, necessarily pursue personal growth or development or professional growth and development, right? Um, but if you're listening to a podcast, by default, you are pursuing development in that area that that, that podcast has a niche in. And so that is why, I, you know, because I, I realized, we, I asked myself, why did this work so well? Why podcasting work better than the TV shows? And I go, well, people at home watching TV, they might not read books, right? They don't read books, they, they watch television. But again, people listen to podcasts, pursue personal development. Um, and, uh, you know, they typically, they're listening to it on a device, right? Where they can actually order your book. And so that was the, the biggest game changer for me. Uh, and I still do podcasts to this day. I do, you know, probably at least five interviews a week on people's podcasts. So, and I have for, you know, what, seven years. Yeah, I, I love that story. And I love how you also told me, you know, when we were talking offline about how, you know, one of the critical uh, uh, pieces or podcasts uh, during that journey, before anyone knew who you were, or anyone knew what the Miracle Morning meant or what it was, uh, Pat Flynn, right? You, you converted him 
and yeah. as long, along with Kiyosaki and some others, but he was one of the major catalysts. Yeah, he was the largest podcast that I got on. And you know, in the beginning, it was just, I said yes to everybody. I was a lot of people's first episode. They're like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. <laughs> you want to be on? I'm like, sure. Yeah, cool. Um, and, uh, and then it was, it was, you know, when, you know, they call it right, when it's critical mass, right? Or the, the, what's it called? The hockey stick. Um, if you look at the graph, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a graph of my book sales, right? Month one, it was like up here, you know, and then it dropped and then it stayed here for about a year. And then it started to gradually go up. And then uh, right around the time when I got on Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, um, yeah, Pat was, he was like a hardcore, not a morning person. He was very, you know, upfront with me about that. And he's like, I'm going to listen to you, but good luck kind of thing. And, um, and then, uh, he ended up being convinced to give it a try. He said, hey, everybody, I'm going to read the miracle morning and I'm going to do the 30 day challenge and I'm going to document it online every day. So I got a ton of, you know, not just once, but like daily, um, promotion. And, uh, and that's when at that time we were averaging about probably 3000 copies a month of the book sold. Um, so again, in, in that year and a half of effort, you know, gradually it went up and up and up and up and up. Um, and then when Pat, uh, did that 30 day challenge and his interview went out and he put it on his blog, uh, we, we jumped from 3000 to 5,000 copies a month. And then I just kept doing interview after interview and then eventually got up to 10,000 copies a month and, you know, and, and stayed there for many years. Love it. Love it. It's just crazy how powerful really this medium is and, and what it can do for you. Uh, but I want to take it back to, you know, before it existed, right? I mean, you've always sort of had a drive. You talk about it in the miracle equation, you know, when you were at Cutco sales and you were making, you know, hitting those pushes and I love those stories. And, and anyone who hasn't listened to the book, um, I mean, obviously you want to, you could read it too, but listening to it, just hearing how tell the stories is so much, so much fun. Um, but so can, can you tell us what was, you know, I know there was the, you know, you, you cheated death many times, brother. Um, you know, one of which was the car crash, right? And, and you, you talk about that in the, in the latest book, but then you're, 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 you're beating cancer as well. So it's, it's so moving to hear you walk us through that and how any of us are really vulnerable to that because you, you really described me and I really related to what you were saying you know, in terms of your, your lifestyle, you're healthy, you know, how could this happy happen to me? You know, I eat organic food for Christ's sake. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, well, you, you do your next level with, uh, you know, your ozone uh, saunas and things like that. But um, yeah, can you, can you go take us back to, you know, what was the catalyst to create the Miracle Morning? And, and did you know that it was going to become a movement and, and have such an, a legion of fans and followers? Not at all. Um, and so for me, uh, 2007 and eight, right in that range, the economy starts to crash and I'm like the eternal optimist. So I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not like, I, I create my own economy. You know, I'm not, I don't pay attention to the news. I'm not worried. Um, and, uh, and then, oh, it, it's real. Like when people's businesses start going under and I'm coaching them, they can't pay me, right? They got to pay the mortgage. So in a six month period, I lost over half of my clients uh, and I, I lost uh, over half my income. I couldn't pay my mortgage, right? So I just went in this downward spiral. My body fat percentage tripled. I wasn't, I canceled the gym membership. Like I wasn't working out at all. I wasn't exercising. I was eating terribly because I was buying cheap food and on the run and just trying to work and get out of this hole. And I kept accumulating credit card debt and all this. And so it was this kind of this rock bottom that uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. And, uh, and then it was a series of events that led me to go on a run and listen to a Jim Rohn audio that a friend had recommended. He's like, listen to this audio, live this audio, you know, live it. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'll so listen to it, go on the run. And Jim Rohn says, 
your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And I, you know, I think I'd even heard the quote before, but sometimes you got to be in the right mindset. You know, I was desperate and I paused and I stopped and I'm like, wait a minute, if my level of success doesn't exceed my level of personal development, and I, I assessed, well, what is my level of personal development right now? I thought, it's like at a two or like a three. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a peak state every day. Like, I'm a mess. You know, I'm emotionally, I'm stressed out, I'm depressed. I'm, you know, I'm really worried about the economy and all these things. And I thought, I want level 10 success, but my level of personal development is down here at a two or three. And I believe this is the disconnect, not only for me, but for the majority of the world is we want, to, we want a level 10 life, but very few people have a really dialed in ritual that ensures they become a level 10 person that's capable of creating that level 10 life. And when I say level 10 person, I don't mean like, you know, your worth. I'm talking about developing your skills and your mindset and the habits and the knowledge, all of those things that will enable you to become the person that you need to be to create and sustain the success that you want in your life. And so I decided I have to create the most extraordinary effective personal development ritual in the history of humanity like and I ran home and I just googled what are the best personal development practices and I had a list of six I was looking for like one maybe two to do in the morning or actually I, I take that back it wasn't the morning yet but I ended up um, finding six practices and these six practices I was trying to I, I went back and I'm googling articles I'm like well which of these is the best like I want to do the ones that are gonna make the biggest impact in my life and of the six None stood out above any other. It just depended on who you asked or which article you read. And the six, by the way, this is an acronym SAVERS, S-A-V-E-R-S. Silence, which is your meditation or prayer, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing, right? So, or journaling. So, those six practices. And the epiphany was, as I'm looking at this list, I'm like, ah, I don't know which one to do. I go, what if I did all of these? What if I woke up tomorrow to the six most timeless proof? Like that would be what I'm thinking, what I'm the, the ultimate morning ritual, right? And I woke up the next morning, even though I wasn't a morning person, but I woke up like with energy. I was excited, even though the day before I was depressed, I was stressed. I didn't want to get out of bed and face my life. And like one day, a new, a new strategy, I woke up and um, I felt incredible. That day, I, you know, I did my morning ritual. It wasn't called the miracle morning. It wasn't a book idea. And, uh, and within two months, I had doubled my income. By the way, in a declining economy. The economy continued to get worse, but the growth I was doing in the morning, I got clarity, I got energy, motivation, I got, and more importantly, I figured out strategies to gain clients again, even though the economy was, you know, I went into referrals and all these things. And um, my body fat percentage that had been, I'd been in horrible shape, not exercising, I committed to run a 52-mile ultra marathon, which I had never run before. Uh, I mean, I'd never run more than like, a mile in high school PE class and my depression went away within a few days and I went to my wife at the two month mark and I'm like, sweetheart, this morning ritual, it's like a freaking miracle. Like my, our life, my life, our life, it is night and day from what it was two months ago. And she goes, it's like your miracle morning. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, I like my miracle morning. So I wrote it down on my schedule, miracle morning. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history. Like I, I taught it to my coaching clients. I, I started, I'm like, I have to make it into a book. I started writing the book. It took me three years. And again, when the book came out, I had two voices in my head. And I think everybody can relate to these, you know, because you asked, did I know it was going to be this movement and sell millions of copies? Absolutely not. The strongest voice in my head was the voice of fear, self-doubt, and insecurity. I kept, I, I would get for writer's block and I'd be writing and go, ha, ah, like who's going to, who's, how am I going to convince people that have had a lifelong belief that they're not a morning person that they should wake up early? Like, ah, 
what the hell could I say to possibly convince them of that, right? Um, so the biggest was the fear of, of failure and, and self-doubt. But then there was this voice in my head which just kind of kept pushing me forward. It's like, how? I would say that this changed my life and I was not a morning person. The Miracle Morning changed the life of all of my coaching clients. That's why I decided to make it into a book because they were all coming to the calls going, I'm not a morning person, but I'll try it. And then they'd come to the call two weeks later and go, oh my gosh, how? It works. Like I, I, I did the Miracle Morning. I'm a morning person. It's amazing. I'm getting the best results I've ever gotten. And, and so that's why I thought I owe it to the world. I have a responsibility to share this ritual that changed my life and, and these other people's lives. Um, but it was really just a, I'm going to write it. I'm going to put it in the world. It has the potential to change anyone's life and therefore the world. And I'm going to just let, let, let happen what happens. And the more, once the book came out, the more feedback I got, I saw reviews, the more it strengthened my resolve that, wow, now this is changing strangers' lives that I've never met before. And I have, so I, I, and I've, to this day, I feel like I have a responsibility to every human being that has never heard of the Miracle Morning, right, to, to somehow get them to hear about it. And that's why you and I talked, the Miracle Morning movie is coming out in December. And this is the way to reach, you know, the, uh, you know a billion plus people that won't read a self-help book, but they do watch television, movies, TV shows, whatever. And so that's, that's how my, my friend, Nick Conadera, who is a filmmaker, convinced me to turn it into a movie. He goes, if you want to reach the masses, you can't do it in a medium, which is books, that the masses does not read. You know, they don't, they don't read self-help books, right? It's like 1% of our society. So that's why we're doing the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie a bit. Yeah. It's a, tell us uh, the framework, you know, what's, what's going to be in it. There's going to be a lot of pieces from, from the books. Yeah, tell us what we, we can expect. Cause I'm looking really, this is my favorite question right now. Tell me about the movie. Like there's nothing I'm more jazzed about. It, it's been such a stress. It's been six years. I've never worked on anything for six years and we are now six years into the movie. Um, and, uh, so the way it came about is, yeah, my, my filmmaker friend called and he's like, Hey, you want to elevate the consciousness of humanity that like, that's the miracle morning mission, elevate the consciousness of humanity, one person and one morning at a time. And he goes, what percentage of humanity reads self-help books? And I'm like one, you know, 1%. He goes, what percentage watch television? I go, you know, the other 99 per, I mean, right in, in developed countries, like 99%, you know? Um, and I was like, I guess we're making a movie. And so the movie started out as, um, I go, well, look, let's not fix what's not broken. Like the Miracle Morning book is changing people's lives in, and so much so that they're telling all of their friends about it. I'm like, so let's just stay as close to what I did in the book as we can. I said, and then I, I said, here's my idea. I go, um, I knew at that time, Robert Kiyosaki was a huge fan of the Miracle Morning. And, uh, and I thought, I, I bet if, if we could get Robert in the movie, I go, and if not Robert, I'll, you know, we'll think of who else, but if we can get somebody in the movie that is, has some clout that's, that's known, then we can name drop them to get other people in the movie. I thought that would be a really cool thing is not only do they learn the miracle morning, but they get to see behind the scenes of how do the world's most successful leaders and entrepreneurs and visionaries, how do they start their day? What's their morning ritual? So that was the original vision for the film. And, and then the third part of it was to feature stories from ordinary people, members of the Miracle Morning community that had done the extraordinary as a result of the Miracle Morning. So those were the three components of the original vision for the film. And we started putting in the, in the Miracle Morning Facebook group, 
you know, hey, if you have an amazing story, share it. We want, we're looking for people for the movie. And so we have a guy, Mike Eaton, who lost 90 pounds. He was obese his entire life. And then in his mid twenties, discovered the Miracle Morning, lost 90 pounds in the first six months of doing the Miracle Morning. And he attributed it to the Miracle Morning. Um, we have one gentleman who his son died at three hours old and he went into a deep depression and he read books on grief, losing children, nothing worked. And the first day he did his miracle morning, he said like the, the fog lifted and he went, I'm not a victim of this. Like I can't change that we lost our son, but I can choose to be the happy, you know, happy, grateful. I can, you know, so, so there's that. So there's all these incredible stories. There's this high school girls that their mom like convinced them to do the miracle morning. And now they have a miracle morning club at their school that they bring other students in. So there's all these really cool stories. And then halfway through filming, uh, about two years into filming, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive form of cancer and I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. So I called our filmmaker, I called Nick and I said, Hey, Nick, I've got crazy news, man. I have cancer and it's not just any cancer. Like this is one of the most aggressive cancers that you can have. Right now I'm in the hospital. My heart is failing. My lung is failing and my kidneys are failing and I have to start chemo tomorrow. I'm like on my deathbed and uh, I've got to beat this, man. So the movie's on hold until further notice. And Nick being a filmmaker and seeing it from the outside and realizing that he had been telling my story of, you know, it was the miracle morning story, but I was kind of the, the central character of it. He goes, he, you know, called me back. He said, Hal, I don't, I don't want this to, I don't want to, you know, be off putting. Like I would love to come film you in the hospital. And I was like, what? He goes, look, he goes, number one, I think you're going to beat this. He goes, I have no doubt if anybody can beat this, you can. I'm like, I feel the same way, but okay. And he goes, he said, we've got to capture this. Like, this is part of your journey. He goes, I don't think you saw it this way, but I, I've been filming your journey of trying to change the world with this miracle morning. And he said, we've got to capture this. You're going to beat it. And what an amazing story to capture you beating it. And I was really resistant, but thank God he had the foresight because the first hour of the miracle morning movie is great. It's, 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 you know, my story, it's the, the influencers, you know, um, their morning routines. It's these, you know, the people in the community and they're inspiring, unbelievable stories. And then not, not to ruin the movie, but 60 minutes in all of a sudden, it's of me doing a selfie video blog on my phone in the hospital, which thank goodness I did these. Um, this was, I had no idea this was gonna be the movie. This was like, I'm like, Hey, I'm in the hospital. They don't know what's wrong. And anyway, the last 30 minutes of the movie are like a very intimate look at me at my like, I mean, there's moments where I'm, I'm in horrific pain on pain management, you know, I'm on chemo, I'm bald, I've got no hair, you know, and, um, and I'm like, I, I'm in, I'm, I'm crying, I'm bawling, like, I let him, I let him film, I just gave him free reign, I'm like, you can film anything at any time. And so, um, but it's this 30, it's the last 30 minutes is me fighting for my life. And so, the, the, the movie now, what it's become is, um, yes, it still does the original intention, which was to introduce the miracle morning to everybody that won't read the book. Right. And hopefully they'll read the book after they see the movie. But, but now it's become way bigger than that. And it's especially with COVID. Like I feel like this is coming out at the right time. The, the world premiere, which is going to be live. Um, it's uh, on 12, 12, 2020. In fact, tickets went on sale yesterday, miraclemorningmovie.com. In fact, I haven't announced that yet. So you're the first people <laughs> that are going to, yeah. So email me if you see any mistakes, we haven't announced it yet. Cause like we're still testing it, but, um, yeah, miraclemorningmovie.com, but, uh, but, but the message now 
is you see me at my lowest point, you see me in pain, you see me crying my eyes out, but my belief system is the foundation where I go, look, I am not like, I'm grateful for this pain. I'm grateful for this cancer. I'm grateful for everything I'm going through because it's helping me grow and evolve and become a better version of myself. And the big message I think what everyone needs to focus on right now is optimizing our inner world. And that's what the Miracle Morning did for me for so many years that when I got cancer, I was like, oh, I can take this in stride. I can still do my Miracle Morning every morning. And whenever I have fear, I'll replace it with faith. I'll use my affirmations. I'll use my meditation. I'll use the visualization to see myself healed, to see myself on the other side of this cancer. And through that Miracle Morning process, um, I was able to be, you know, so positive that the doctors thought I was like in denial or something because I was so positive and, and optimistic, but it was genuine. Like, yes, I have cancer, but that will not define my emotional well-being. And I think right now there's so much uncertainty in the world. It's like, yes, things are not as we planned. Nobody planned for this 2020, but we can choose to be the most peaceful, happy, grateful, optimistic, proactive that we've ever been, even while we're enduring the most uncertain, fearful, and difficult time in our lives. Yeah. So good. So good, Hal. It's, it's powerful. Your story is so inspiring. I know everyone here especially uh, understands and knows the gravity of, of, of having you here and, and how you're changed, you know, the world basically. And, um, you know, it's funny. Spoiler alert on that movie, by the way. You know, I usually try to stay away from spoiler alerts, but yeah, you survive everything, and we already yeah, know. But yeah. still, even knowing and listening to you talk about it in the book is just so heartfelt. I got I got really emotional, and uh, especially I just wanted to. You know, this is another spoiler alert. Um, aside from the twenty to thirty percent uh, survival rate on in, on this rare uh, form of cancer, <laughs> there was a moment in time where they had you sign on the dotted line that they were not responsible if you died because they were going to, like in Pulp Fiction, <laughs> put a syringe that's going to be one eighth of an inch, you know, closer to the heart. And like, hey, and if we hit your heart, we're eh, sorry, our yeah. bad. Yeah, your parents can't see, your wife can't sue us, your parents can't sue us. Yeah. Yeah. That and, was and the day that I got to the hospital. Like the day that I was diagnosed, you know, and they're like, we, we have to take emergency procedures. Your, your heart is surrounded by a sack of fluid and it is closing in on your heart. And it is dangerously close to your heart will not be able to beat if we don't act now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, can you talk a, bit, so a little bit about, for everyone here, you know, that understands savers, but, you know, let's give them a reminder of sort of the, the remaining cancer free and, and, you know, arranging your life to support that mission. Can, can you walk through, uh, through, through that for us? Wait, I'm not totally clear on your question. So, you know how basically your miracle morning that you exercise each and every day, you know, your cancer-free affirmations and your cancer-free meditation and then like your things, you know, like you do your, your uh, apple cider, organic vinegar with lemon. Just want to sort of get an idea so people know, you know, this is what you do and, and this is stuff that people can, can implement. Yeah. So you're talking health specific stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, I'll just, I'll sit, start by saying this. I went, you know, I, I met with this oncologist. So and it was like an 11 day process where I was in the ER, just having my lung drained of fluid every other day. Um, you know, like living at the hospital every other day. And, uh, and they didn't know what was wrong. And they finally thought it was cancer. They sent me to another, a, a major cancer hospital in Houston to get double checked. They confirmed it was. And, um, and when I met with the oncologist, I said, hey, you know, I, I appreciate that. You know, he said, here's, we want to attack it with chemo. And it's the most aggressive, I think, I don't know if it's the most, if not the most, it's one of the most aggressive chemotherapy regimens 
in all of cancer. You know, some people will go in for like an hour a month or an hour a week. This was 650 hours of chemotherapy. I would get five days nonstop hooked to an IV round the clock. And so, so he starts telling me that I'm going to, that this is how they're going to approach it. I'm like, yeah, so about that. Um, I go, I said, honestly, I said, no offense, doc. Um, I didn't call him doc, but no, no offense, doctor. Um, I said, uh, the, uh, I said, I want, I, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to put chemotherapy in my body if I don't have to, like, I want to heal this holistically. So can you support me in that? And I had watched a documentary years before on how to heal, uh, uh, heal, it was called healing cancer from the inside out. And it was basically about like how to optimize your body so that you won't get cancer um, or how to, if you get cancer, how to heal it. And so I, I said, I want to heal this holistically. And he said, um, Hal, I can appreciate that. And my wife, by the way, you know, she's next to me. We're holding hands. She's like trying to hold it together, you know, in tears. And I said, um, he said, Hal, I appreciate that you want to heal it naturally. But he said, you don't have that kind of time. This isn't a cancer, like a slow growing tumor where you could try it for a few months, see how it responds. He said, you were healthy two weeks ago. You're, you're days away from dying right now. And if we don't start chemo tomorrow, I would give you a week to live at the most. You don't have time to try some natural modalities. And, and I didn't know this guy. So I kind of took that like as a, I didn't, I didn't like the feel, you know, my wife squeezing my hand and, and I'm like, you know, like I thought he was kind of scaring me into the chemo. So I'm kind of like, screw you, buddy. And I'm, that's my thinking. And I go, well, can we go home and talk about this and sleep on it for 24 hours and let you know tomorrow? And he said, yeah, I wouldn't wait much longer, but yeah. And we went and Googled it and essentially found out that, oh, he's not joking. Like most people die from this cancer because they go into the hospital, they get diagnosed with like pneumonia, which is what happened to me. And then they don't go for a second opinion and then they're dead two weeks later, right? Like that's how it, that's how fast it acts. So I kind of had my hand forced. I even reached out to some holistic doctors and they had said, um, uh, they wouldn't take some of the best holistic doctors in the world that have treated like celebrities and stuff. They wouldn't treat me because they said your cancer is not, again, the same thing. My doctor said, you, you can't play with it. Like you don't, you don't have time. You have to go get chemo. And, uh, so I made that, it was a difficult decision just cause I didn't want to, you know, put chemo in my body, but I decided I will do everything in my power holistically in addition to the chemo. So I will, I will, tr I will read all the books and try to beat the cancer naturally as if I weren't doing chemo and do the chemo, kind of the best of Western and Eastern medicine at the same time. And so that's what I did. And so the practices that I did, most of which I still do, um, I did ozone sauna, which you mentioned, I have it, you know, it's upstairs in my house. I, I used to go to a clinic and then I eventually bought one. Um, I did acupuncture and you see all this in the movie too. It's just kind of cool. Um, my, my diet was already pretty on point, but I, I still ate more sugar than I should have. You know, I, like I was, I would eat mostly vegan, but I eat vegan ice cream, whatever. So, um, I, I cut out sugar, you know, I just cleaned up my diet. Um, and then I stopped taking, here's the big one. Um, this is my theory on what may have caused my cancer. Right? Cause that was a big thing for me is I'm like, I want to assess what might've caused this. Right? Like I believe that we have to take total responsibility for our life. There's no blame. There's no, it's like, what might I have done that caused this? And for me, I took a lot of workout supplements in my 20s that had like, you know, powder with like blue dye 40, stuff that shouldn't go in your body, right? Like my philosophy now is that nothing that is not natural of nature should go into your body. That means preservatives. That means prescription drugs, right? So I took Adderall in my 20s as well. And I took it for years. And I thought that's like, that's meth. That's, you know, if you look it up, it's a form of meth essentially that's just legal. But anyway, so 
I stopped taking everything. I stopped taking aspirin, which I had taken for years because I got headaches. I stopped taking all unnatural substances. Um, and, then, uh, and then I started doing juicing every day, ozone sauna, the acupuncture. Um, uh, and I started reading every book on, on uh, cancer. And so what I do now to this day, right, I wake up every morning around between 4 and 5 a.m. I don't set an alarm anymore. I just naturally wake up between 4 and 5. Um, I do my miracle morning, which involves meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. Um, and, uh, and then I, I drink green tea first thing in the morning, right? That's, I gave up coffee because you're just highly acidic. Uh, I drink it on the weekends now. Coffee is like my weekend, you know, vice or whatever. So I drink it on, and, I, and by the way, when you only drink coffee on Saturday and Sunday, oh, that coffee is so good. <laughs> um, so I only do coffee. Um, and, then, uh, and then I do a smoothie that um, I, I, did, I did a podcast episode about this a few months ago. I can't think of, you'd have to go find it. It was my, my hour by hour miracle morning. The name of the podcast is by out, my hour by hour miracle morning and daily schedule. So if you want to go look for that, you can. But I broke down my smoothie recipe and it's like, I think it's an attachment in the show notes of the podcast. Um, but I drink a cancer, I call it, I used to call it a cancer fighting smoothie, but I don't like the the fighting, right? So now it's a live, it's my live to be 100 smoothie. That's what I call it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the base of it is lemon juice. And then I put a whole orange in there and then there's spinach. And then I basically have every cancer fighting powder. So dandelion, milk thistle, green tea, like I've got like 40 powders that I, that I put, they're all organic, you know, right? And not in capsules, which is one way I found to get your supplements. So you're not taking all these capsules, right? which who knows what's always in the capsule. Um, and then I exercise every morning, I, you know, all of the things. So, and then I do this, that sauna three times a week. And um, yeah, just eat a really clean diet. So that's it. the biggest thing. That is, um, and thank you for giving um, all of that to us because I'm going to share that with my wife who's always pushing me to do those things and slowly but surely because, you know, when I met her, I was eating uh, Big Macs and, yeah. and McDonald's fries, Who, how I miss McDonald's fries. But um, yeah, the, the two things that, I, uh, before I pass this over to, to my brother, uh, Josh here, the, the two things that I adopted after reading uh, your most recent book, and, and dude, congrats again on The Miracle Equation. Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, the telling your kids and thinking about and planning, basically manifesting the fact that you're going to live to 100. And we talked about our kids and our, you know, and, and that goal and the, and the mission to, to live long for them and, and talk to them in those terms too is kind of cool. And I learned that from you. But then also, the, can you tell us a little bit about the story behind Can't Change It and that tattoo? Because that I keep, I've probably said it at least 10 times a day since I read your book. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of, that's of every lesson I've taught. I've been teaching that for 21 years. Like I never took it out of my, even when I changed my speech to the, that used to be the primary lesson, the speech, when I changed it to the miracle morning, I still teach that because it's, it's made an impact for people more than almost any, like kind of an instant impact for people. Um, so the can't change it philosophy. It was born when I was 20. I was in a car accident. I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. I spun off the drunk driver. The car behind me crashed into my door at 70 miles an hour. And the left side of my door smashed the left side of my body. And I broke 11 bones instantaneously. And I bled to death that night. I was clinically dead for six minutes on the side of the freeway as they rushed me onto a helicopter to perform CPR. I came out of a coma six days later and I was told that I had permanent brain damage and that I would never walk again. 
Um, I always joke, my wife will vouch for the brain damage, but uh, and I do walk again, but I, I didn't know if I'd ever walk again. And I was out of the coma for about a week. And my first memory uh, is two weeks after the crash, one week after the coma. So the first week out of the coma, I had brain damage from the car accident. I don't remember anything. My first memory is my mom and dad were called in by the doctors to explain uh, the doctors wanted to give an update on my condition. And they th said, mentally and emotionally, we believe that Hal is in denial or he's delusional because he's always smiling and laughing and joking. And they said, that's not normal for a 20 year old young man that's being told he's never going to walk again. You know, uh, he should be sad, scared, angry, depressed. These are the real emotions that he seems to be shoving down because maybe they're too painful or whatever, but we need you to talk to him and find out how he's really feeling. So my dad came in that night and I didn't know this conversation had taken place. And I looked at him and his, eye, his face is red. His eyes are welled up. You know, there's a lot of crying around that time, but he looked upset and I, I turned off the TV. I said, dad, what's wrong? And he explained what the doctor's concerns were. And he said, Hal, how are you really feeling? Like, it's okay to be sad and scared and depressed. Like nothing to be embarrassed about. Like that's, that's how you, it's normal to feel. And he said, how are you really feeling? And I really went inside and I asked myself, am I, am I deep down? Am I sad? Am I scared? Am I angry? Am I depressed? And I looked at my dad and I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. And he said, what do you mean? I said, remember I live my life by the five minute rule. And uh, he said, remind me what that is. And I said, dad, I learned this in my Cutco sales training about a year and a half prior uh, and the rule said that when things go wrong in life, it's okay to be negative, but not for more than five minutes. And we were taught to literally set our timer on our phone for five minutes when something went wrong, quote unquote wrong, you know, like, and, and, and the context then was a customer, you know, canceled an order or you were working really hard for a goal and, and you didn't hit it or, you know, your best customer of the week didn't show for the appointment or whatever, right? Like these little kind of things. And we were taught, you know, it's a, selling is a microcosm for life. You got to deal with disappointment and setbacks and failures and all of these things. And so, um, I said, dad, it's been two weeks since the car accident. I'm way past, and I've been out of the coma for a week. I'm way past my five minutes. And the way that I learned this strategy was that you'd set your timer for five minutes and, when the, and for five minutes, you got to feel every emotion. You got to be upset, sad, angry, like whatever it was. And when the timer went off, you said three very powerful words, which you alluded to earlier, Eric, can't change it. An acknowledgement, wait a minute, I can't change what happened five minutes ago. So I get to choose how I'm going to respond right now. Am I going to continue dwelling on the thing that is now in the past that dwelling on it, resisting it, wishing it didn't happen, feeling frustrated, angry, whatever, doesn't change it. It just creates emotional pain and suffering for me. Or so other, you, that, that's the choice is either do I resist and focus and dwell on things I can't change or do I take a deep breath and just accept it fully, unconditionally and go, this is life exactly as it is. I'm going to be at peace with it. Doesn't mean I'm happy that thing happened, but it's more powerful than happiness because happiness is an emotion right? You have your positive emotions over here and your negative over here and your emotions are fleeting. They can change at any moment, right? You could be happy and get a phone call. Now you're upset. And so when you're at peace, when you accept life exactly as it is, it's this place in between happiness or positive emotion and negative painful emotions is a state of being that is known as peace. And when you accept life exactly as it is unconditionally all the time, then you are at peace, which is an 
un, it's a neutral emotional state. It's rooted, it's ever present. And from that emotional neutral space, you get to choose which emotion would best serve me in this moment. But when you're still resisting that thing that happened, whether it was five months ago or five minutes, five months, five years, five decades, a lot of us are suffering over something that happened five decades ago or five years ago. The thought of it, we resist that because it wasn't fair. We didn't deserve it. It hurt us then. And we're still living as if it were still happening. And so for me, I, when I had the, when I was told I would never walk again, I decided if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life, I'll be the happiest most grateful person you've ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm in a wheelchair either way and that I will not let my circumstances define my emotional well-being. And that I want everyone to consider is that your outer world, what's going on in your life does not determine what's going on inside of you unless you continue to allow it to. And so I'll close this out by saying the day I was diagnosed with cancer and given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving, my wife was out of town with my kids. And I had to call her and tell her over the phone the news. Um, I was already at peace with it because I, I live my life in unconditional acceptance. I accept life before it happens. So when I was told I had cancer, I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And then immediately my brain goes into, oh, how am I going to make the best of this? What am I going to learn from this? How am I going to grow from this? How am I going to help others from this? And so, but I knew my wife would not, she doesn't process things quite the same. And when I told her, she's crying, she's devastated. And I, you know, I was empathetic. I was there for her. And then I, once, once there was some space, I said, sweetheart, I want you to know I've already, I, I, number one, I have unwavering faith that I will beat the cancer. And while I go through chemo or whatever, however I do this, while I endure what's probably the most difficult time in my life, I promise I will be, I've already decided I will be the happiest and the most grateful I've ever been while we go through this journey together. And, um, you know, and, 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 you know, it was the hardest time in my life, but it was, you know, for me, and you'll see this in the movie, like I was genuinely at peace with all of it. And so, yeah. So by the way, let me, let me share one other thing of how you can apply this every day. You don't have to get in a car accident or be diagnosed with cancer to apply the can't change it philosophy in the five minute rule. My favorite example of this is traffic. Most of us, if we're running late and then we hit unexpected traffic, we're like, no, gosh, damn, I was, I'm going to be late. I need to be there. And think about how futile that is. You spend the 30 minutes in the car frustrated, tense, stressed out. Does that change the speed of the cars in front of you? Does that get you there earlier? No, it just makes you miserable. And it's a microcosm. It's a metaphor for life. We live our life that way where when something happens that we don't want to happen, we resist it. We blame the thing for the pain we're experiencing. Of course, I'm angry. Look at what happened. Of course, I'm sad. Look at what I lost. Of course, I'm frustrated. We think it's the thing, but it's never the thing. It's our resistance to the thing. And so when I'm in traffic now, I go, uh, oh, wait a minute. Can't change it. I can't change it. I might as well enjoy every moment. And that's my encouragement for you. And this you get one life. Guys and gals, we get one life. And, and we can either suffer because things aren't exactly as we want them to be, or we can be at peace. We can have joy. We can, instead of being stressed out, we can choose to be blissed out. And it has nothing to do with what's going on around us and everything to do with what's going on inside of us when we're intentional and we make that choice. 
Yeah. You're on fire, brother. And you're preaching to the choir, man. Everybody loves this. I'm telling you, they're eating it up. I've got literally, I've never seen my chat box say 99 plus comments before. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're loving you, man. And thank you so much for sharing all that. At this point, brother, I am going to pass it along to Josh, who's going to transition us into some wonderful Q&A from our amazing podcast. Yeah. Thank How you, Eric. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Hal's not going anywhere. We have him for another 45 or so minutes. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. So what's going to happen now uh, is uh, we asked some of our show hosts to uh, prepare some questions that they'd like to um, get in front of Hal. And that's what we're going to do. Um, I just wanted to make a quick note. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, put good in and you get good out. Obviously, that's that's one of the themes. And Hal, as you're talking, we're already talking to the next generation. I see on Todd's lap, he's got a little baby that's listening to all these words. Fantastic. You got to get it in early. Got right. in early. Look at that. Thank you, Todd, <laughs> oh, for, awesome, Todd. for getting the words right. She's, she's just hearing everything. Yeah. Wow. And then um, Douglas, it wasn't lost on me either. I saw somebody off screen dipping a, uh, a little baby into your world <laughs> and uh, giving you kisses. There it is. <laughs> Look at that. So Podmax and the next generation. Uh, how's Podmax Doc, family, Podmax. literally. Literally the Podmax family. Yeah. All right. So um, like I said, uh, we're going to ask some of the show hosts here. Let's start with uh, Larry Roberts. You're on the mic, sir. Take it away. Mute. You're mute. Hang on. So we're going to start with Larry Roberts. <laughs> Larry, sir, you are on the mic. Take it away. Thank you, Josh. And thank you, Hal, for joining us today. This is a tremendous opportunity, and I'm very thankful to be a part of it. In reading The Miracle Morning I noticed that a lot of the change, well, the change that came in your life came after tragedy. Uh, I spoke to someone earlier today that also had a significant change after a significant tragedy. I personally experienced it. Significant tragedy, almost died. Found out, hey, you know what? This alcohol stuff, it's really bad for you, so I better stop that. <laughs> so I went and got fixed up, and everything's cool there, and a lot has changed for me in that regard. How do those that don't go through a traumatic event take and capitalize on the same concepts or how are they motivated? How can they be motivated to take advantage of the same concepts that you teach? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and I think, uh, and, and thank you for that, Larry. I appreciate it. The, I don't think that you have to go through tragedy to, to learn the lessons of what someone learned going through tragedy. In fact, you, you remind me of something. I was given a speech when I was pretty, I was pretty young. I was like 25. Uh, and uh, I gave a speech at this real estate event or something. And it was when I was first starting out speaking. 
And this uh, guy came up to me afterwards and he goes, well, he goes, hey, he goes, what you've gone through is amazing. I commend you, blah, blah, blah. He said, but um, he goes, man, you know, and if, if I went through what you went through, then I could be that positive too. And I'm like, what? I go, no, I go like the, the lessons are universal, you know? And I think that every person has endured their own form of tragedy or trauma, even if it's self-imposed, such as an insecurity or fear, not fitting in so on and so forth. But, but the point is, I think that some people, my assistant said this really well, my assistant Tiffany in the Miracle Morning movie, uh, she said, um, I'm trying to remember, I believe that people like Hal go through things that most of us think we couldn't endure to show us that most of us or that the rest of us think we couldn't endure to show us that the rest of us can, right? Something along those lines. And I think that to realize that as human beings, we all have unlimited potential. We're all born with, you know, no knowledge, no skills, you know? And so I think that um, to be aspirational and for us to you know, everybody, I think one thing we all share in common is we all want that level 10 life, right? Like I don't know anyone that doesn't want to be as happy as they possibly can be, as healthy as they can be, as, you know, wealthy, as fit. Have, we want level 10 in every area. And so to me, that's what people, um, that's, the, that's the motivator, right? The motivator doesn't have to be like, oh, I was, went through a horrible thing, so now I have to get my stuff together. It's like, no, I want an amazing life. And, um, and then, you know, and then somebody, it's like, obviously you can't make somebody go after it. Um, but if, if somebody's clear that this is the life I want and this is the effort I have to put in to create that life, then it's up to them. Then it's on them. Either you can settle for what you have and be at peace with what you have, which no judgment, that's fine. Or if you want a better life, you know, the, the books are out there, the podcasts are out there, right? The, the knowledge is out there of exactly what you need to do. And so again, it, it, go, it, it falls onto the person. Awesome. Thank you for that answer. Now, the next question that I kind of had in mind after reading The Miracle Morning was, if, if you've read the book or for those that haven't read the book, The Miracle Morning takes roughly 60 minutes to complete. But you had another chapter there that was the six-minute miracle. How can you possibly gain the same attributes in six minutes that normally takes 60? I love this question. So, The Miracle Morning... Uh, Every aspect of the book, just about every aspect of the book, was not writ. It wasn't an idea for a book. It was something I was already doing. So most, so that's including the six minute miracle morning. So most of us have, I find we have this all or nothing mindset, right? Which is like, let's say you were going to go to the gym for an hour, but you woke up 20, 30 minutes late. And now you're like, ah, I'm not even going to go. I'm, I, I don't have enough time. And I found myself doing that with the miracle morning. If I didn't wake up on time or if I had to leave earlier than normal, I would go, well, I'm just not going to do it today. And that would happen. And I noticed on the days I did the miracle morning, I felt significantly better. And on the days I didn't, which is why I went from five days a week to six days a week to seven days a week, by the way, which most people, most members of the miracle morning community do the same. But one day I had like 15 minutes and I'm like, what if I did a six minute miracle morning? What if I just sat down and I meditated for one minute. And then I did, I pulled out my affirmations and I just read as many of them as I could get through in a minute. I had a little timer on my phone going. And then I visualized myself optim, you know, in my optimal state for the day for one minute. And then I did a minute of jumping jacks, right? Got the heart rate going, got a little blood flowing, right? Then I pulled out the book I'm reading and I just read a page or two, whatever it took to read one minute. And then I pulled out my journal and for the minute that I had, I wrote down something I was grateful for my number one 
you know, something I was great for and my number one priority for the day. What of all the things I'm like to do this, what's the one thing that if I do this one thing today, I will consider it as a success. It'll be a win. And so I did that and six minutes went by and I went and I felt incredible. And, you know, to answer your question kind of directly, like how can you possibly do something that, that short of a time, that, that difference from 60 minutes to six minutes and get any kind of benefit? I felt, if I were to quantify it, I felt like I was getting 80% of the benefit of the, the hour-long miracle morning in one-tenth of the time. I still felt at peace and calm and focused and had a clarity. I had read my affirmations, right? I had learned something new. I mean, it was incredible. And so, that's when I, you know, I actually wrote a blog about it. At that time, I was like sharing the miracle morning as I was learning and growing and developing it. You know, I was just sharing it online on social media. And I wrote this post called the six minute miracle morning. And I'm like, here's exactly what I did. Here's how it worked. People loved it. I got good feedback. And then it went in as a chapter um, in the book. And, and I don't, in, you know, I don't encourage people to like that. That's, that's the end all be all where you just do six minutes every day. You know, you, you can only go so deep. Of course, it's not really going deep. It's just, getting yourself in a good state, right? But if you meditate for one minute versus 20 minutes or 10 minutes, you know, it's like you can, you go much, much, much deeper. And that's true with all of the practices. So the, the average person, as you said, does a 60 minute miracle morning, about 20% or so of our community does a 30 minute miracle morning. Um, and then, you know, maybe 2%, I don't even know, would do less than that. Gotcha. So, is it critical to do it in the savers format? Do you need to go savers or could you rearrange those letters and do each of them in whatever order best fits your, your preferences or your schedule? Yeah, great question. Absolutely. You can customize. In fact, there's a chapter in the book on customizing the miracle morning and the savers, right? And you can do it in any order. Um, some people, for example, have told me that when they meditate first, they like fall asleep, like, you know, and so uh, for those people, I say, well, move the E to the front. In fact, I've been doing this lately because my, my neighbor, Mike McCarthy, you guys know Mike McCarthy, co-author of the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families. Uh, Mike, the other day, we were talking, he was telling me, he's like, how my miracle morning is so dialed in which makes me so happy when my friends are doing it, right? And, um, and he said, it's so dialed in, and he, and he walked me through it. And he, he's doing yoga first. And he, go, and he explained, he goes, I do yoga first because it like, you know, gets my body loosened up, kind of wakes me up. And so I've been doing that lately because I always do meditation first, but for the last, it's only been like four days since he, we went on a walk and he told me this. And so now I've been for the last four days doing medi or, uh, yoga first, just some stretching for like literally like a minute. And then I'll do a little more exercise. I go for a bike ride every morning. My exercise is a bike ride throughout my neighborhood. And I meditate while I'm on that bike ride. I say affirmations while I'm on that bike ride. And I, you know, I'm in nature. I'm getting fresh air. Like my bike ride is probably, if I had to pick a favorite part of the Miracle Morning now, it's definitely that bike ride. That's cool. Last time I was on a bike, well, it didn't work out very well. But maybe <laughs> I need to incorporate that every day. We'll see how it works out. Um, one more question and then I'll wrap it up. Uh, as far as affirmations go, what is the best source of affirmations? Do you have a list? Do you write your own list? Do you use something like my buddy uh, Heath created here, the Sweet S Domination Deck to get through your day? What do you do to get the affirmations that really work for you? Yeah. Affirmations are my favorite, uh, well, next to biking, but of the six practices, affirmations have always been my favorite of the savers. Um, and I also, I think they're the most misunderstood form of personal development because they've been taught to us for years in this goofy way, like one of two problems. Either we're taught, number one, lie to yourself. Just say, I am blank 
in, until you kind of believe it and then become it, right? But the problem is, if you are, um, you know, if you're depressed and you go, I am happy, I am happy, I am happy, like, you're lying, right? You, no, you're not, not yet, right? Now, you want to become happy? That's a different statement. I am committed to becoming happy, very different. The other problem, so lying to yourself is never the optimum strategy because the truth will always prevail. And the second problem with affirmations is we're taught to use this flowery passive language that promises a magical result independent of our effort. So you may have heard this affirmation before some form like this. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. Like, nope, if anybody here has ever made money, probably didn't work that way, right? Like, you don't just sit back and, you know, money flows effortlessly to you. Usually, you have to actually put forth effort, create value, the marketplace pays you for it, now you're making money. So, those two ways of doing affirmations to me are the reason affirmations have a really bad rap. And so, my favorite form of affirmations or my favorite strategy to create affirmations are, it's, I'm going to give you guys three steps right now to create affirmations that are... Um, tangible, that'll produce results for you, right? That are really actionable, that are practical, that'll, that you can believe, and that will actually change your behavior, because that's all that matters, right? You wanna change your thinking and change your behavior, and that for me is what an affirmation is for. Um, it's a statement that articulates the change in thinking and the change in behavior, right? So now you can go, okay, that, that makes sense, right? I'm not lying to myself. I'm articulating something that's going to change my thinking that will lead to a change in behavior that will lead to a change in my results. So step number one, articulate, or I'm sorry, affirm what you are committed to. So don't say, I am happy if you're not happy. Say, I am committed to becoming happy or committed to being happy. If you want to lose weight, don't say, I am thin if you're not thin. Say, I'm committed to blank. I'm committed to losing weight. I'm committed to getting in shape. I'm committed to building muscle, right? So number one, I am committed to blank. And then a little bonus tip from the miracle equation, add the words at the end of the affirmation, no matter what, there is no other option. That at least for me is like a gut check. Like I am committed to blank. If I just keep reading, like, I don't know. I, I need that. Like I need that anchor. Like I am committed to this. No matter what, there is no other option. And whatever that blank is for you, that's your ideal outcome. I am committed to right now. My affirmation is: I am committed to. Uh, I forgot the word I'm using. Inviting a hundred thousand people to watch the Miracle Morning movie. Like this is the goal. My goal was ten thousand people. My team set up this goal of a hundred thousand people. That scares the hell out of me. Like I can't get my head around it. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is what I teach in the miracle equation. Like the purpose of the goal isn't to hit the goal. The purpose of a goal is to give you a target and that you now do everything in your power. That's the extraordinary effort to reach that goal. And here's the crazy thing. I'm, I'm, I'm diverting a little bit, but this, actually, let's go back to this. Remind me, um, somebody remind me to talk about how I'm applying the miracle equation to the movie release because it's been magic in the last few days. It's crazy. Anyway, so step number one, affirm what you're committed to. Step number two, affirm why it is, and use language that works for you, why it is deeply meaningful and or crucial for you, right? Affirm why it is deeply meaningful or crucial. In other words, affirm your why, right? So I'm committed to this outcome, but why? Why is that important to you? Because the why is where we get leverage to do whatever it takes, right? Our motivation is born from the why. The drive is born from the why. So step two is affirm, remind yourself, why are you committed to do whatever it takes, no matter what, to reach that outcome? And number three, 
is what specific actions will you take and when? Which specific actions will you take and when? And if you look at those three steps, right, they're not, it's not woo-woo. It's not, you're not lying to yourself. You're not telling yourself that magic's going to happen if you don't even do anything, right? No, you're affirming your commitment. You're reminding yourself why you're absolutely committed no matter what. No other option. It's crucial. And you're clarifying, oh yeah, these are the things I have to do at these times on these days to ensure that that outcome becomes a reality. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, Larry, great questions, brother. Thank you. Thanks, man. Amazing. Thank you, Larry, for that. Uh, coming up next, we have Kristen Olson, the host of Turmeric and Tequila. The mic is all yours, Kristen. We're here. How? Pleasure to e-meet you, we'll say. <laughs> you too, Kristen. Yes. Well, so turmeric and tequila, we celebrate the juxtaposition of being all things. Obviously, uh, turmeric, anti-inflammatory, tequila, inflammatory. Uh, we'll start off with just a light question. Uh, I had to peep the IG. We'll, we'll call it research. And I think I saw you and your wife toasting what looked like a margarita. Uh, so I just want to start. What is your favorite celebration libation? Or is that the 100-day live to 100 smoothie? Yeah, it'd be the smoothie. I, uh, I probably drink a gluten-free IPA maybe once a week, and that's about it. And that margarita, that was actually, she convinced me because I, I didn't want to, I got the iced tea and it was terrible. And she's like, try a margarita. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so good. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll get one of those. But yeah, that, that's a rarity. Like I have probably one margarita a year and, uh, and, and a beer every week or two. Wonderful. There is actually, I'm in Colorado. There's a phenomenal um, uh, brewery, Holla Daily. It's gluten-free beer. It's an amazing company. Highly suggest it if you ever nice. see it. Uh, it stars everywhere. Um, but on turmeric and tequila, we, we talk a lot about, ironically, even though it's turmeric and then tequila, about what we're doing for our youth, highlighting humans that are questioning a better way. So I really wanted to ask you, being a parent, um, you know, when is a good time to talk about savers and implement some of this strategy with our young humans? We always say uh, on TNT, you know, what are we doing in our curriculum with our schools? I would love to see our schools include more things like finances, nutrition, business, uh, some more of these life skills. And savers is really, you know, kind of all that wrapped together. When's a good time to implement that to our, our, our young humans? And when did you introduce it to your kids? Yeah, and I think that... Um it's a great question. And for me, I think that it was like six years old was when my kids started doing Miracle Morning. And, and by the way, to be very transparent, right? Um, they don't do it every day. Uh, and, and we've, I, I've like, I really, I just don't believe in uh, pushing your kids to do something that's optional that they then resist because you're forcing them to do it. So I wanted to invite them to do it. Um, my daughter has not taken to it as much. My son uh, is much more. He will often say, Dad, can we do Miracle Morning tomorrow? Uh, and he's younger. He's eight now. My daughter is 11. Um, the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families, uh, the reason we wrote that is I met Mike and Lindsay McCarthy, um, their son. I think he was seven at the time. And he had his whole book of affirmations. We were at an event. He had this whole book of affirmations. And he did the Miracle Morning every day. And they had modified the savers to be the charms and include creativity and health and some other things. And I was so inspired that I said, dude, we should write a book. This is amazing. Because I go, you guys are doing better than me. Like, my kids aren't doing this every day. Your kids are doing it every day. Um, and then most recently, the, the latest book in the Miracle Morning series is the Miracle Morning for Parents and, I'm sorry, the Miracle Morning for Teachers. And Again, I met a teacher at an event. This is how this, all this is organic. Like I don't have some master plan. A teacher at an event came and they, she showed me a video of her leading her first grade class 
through the savers. Every morning, they do a six-minute miracle morning before school starts, and our kids love it. And so then, we created, my, uh, my partner in the Miracle Morning Book Series, Honoré Quarter, and I created a 30-day challenge, and we got like, I don't know, 100 teachers around the country, around the world actually, to do the Miracle Morning for 30 days with their students, and the results were like, amazing. So um, honestly, it, I don't think that you, you know, there really isn't too young. Um, and a great, a great thing to integrate to get your kids started on the Miracle Morning is Cosmic Kids Yoga on, um, yeah, Eric's fired up, Cosmic Kids Yoga on YouTube. And uh, Cosmic Kids Yoga is um, yoga for kids, right? And, uh, and here's my other tip with the savers. One of the best tips I'll give you if you're doing it with the kids, don't try to do all the savers in one day. I think it overloads their brain, especially the younger they are. What I found is do one of the savers or maybe two. Like my son and I will often listen to like a five-minute guided meditation and then we'll do seven-minute workout. Both of those are apps on the phone, right? Um, uh, or the guided meditation I'll find on YouTube. But we'll do like Cosmic Kids Yoga or their guided meditation and then exercise. So we'll just do, and we'll, we'll mix it up. I'll go, what do you feel like doing today? Which of the savers? And I'll go, ah, you know, let's try this one. I'm like, great, right? So just being a lot more loose with their schedule um, and not, not nearly as rigid. That's amazing. I think that's uh, really well said. I, it reminds me of sports when you try and force a kid to do something you think is good for them, the more resistant they are. Yeah. Uh, you got to let them do it on their terms. Uh, I wanted to touch a little bit on the business side uh, because we are in 2020 and marketing, branding, everything's different. I know you said the, the movie and everything, that's a whole other animal to unpack when comparing to the book. Uh, my consulting company, KO Alliance, we specialize in um, strategic partnerships, sponsors, th those kinds of things. Now that you've, and so we're really familiar with influencers and, and when you find the right fit and the right team, it's magical. But you have to weed through a lot of things, particularly like sponsors and other key voices to find the right ones. Um, I was just curious as you've grown now into like this international brand, uh, what have, how picky have you been on, on constructing some of those strategic relationships? And then what is the craziest thing that you've been approached with that you're like, oh my God, no, like that will never work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, I, uh, I don't, I don't do a lot of strategic partnerships. I I'm kind of a, a, a loner a little bit. I mean, I have a, I have a team, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I operate a little bit in, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Um, the, uh, a lot, I guess, I guess a better way to say it, I fly by the seat of my pants a lot. <laughs> um, and for those of you that feel like uh, any insecurity or inadequacy, like I don't have a 10 year vision and a step-by-step -step plan everything I've created, it was just like, oh, what should I do today? Okay, great. And I'll just, you know, I, like that's kind of how I operate. Um, but, uh, and, and in terms of stuff I'm approached with, I get approached, we get emails um, and, and it's hard, uh, but we get email, more emails than we can respond to or than I can respond to, but my assistant's on top of it. But she'll get people reaching out that like, that at, all the time, how, I know how, usually it's from other countries and like broken English, they'll be like, I know Hal has a lot of money. Um, please, can he send me some or send me $20,000 <laughs> for my son's thing? And like, you know, so we get emails like that all the time. And then we always get email. And people are always ripping off the Miracle Morning. Like there were, we found a Miracle Morning, uh, a new Facebook group and they have their own store and they're selling Miracle Morning like mugs and all this stuff. And I'm like, so yeah, we have like every week we have to have our attorney um, reaching out, trying to put out these flyers of people selling Miracle Morning stuff, ripping off books, like people typed the book and then sold it 
on the site and it like had missing pages and misspelled words and all of a sudden I getting, I'm getting these Amazon reviews. They're like, this book's terrible. Every other, like all the words are misspelled. Like this guy couldn't even hire a proofreader. And I'm like, <laughs> what? The book's been out for like five years. No one's ever, what are you talking about? And then we order and then I get like a bunch of those negative reviews. And anyway, so yeah, it's, it's like, it's crazy. It's, you know, what do they say? Mo, you know, I don't know, mo money, more problems, mo success, mo problems. Like there's all these crazy things yes. that you never anticipate that are just like, a headache and uh, I'm grateful for all of it though because you know it, it's part of the process. Yeah just when you thought you didn't have anything in common with the Notorious B.I.G. here you are. That's right. That's right. Um, no I think that's really well said and uh, it, it, it is crazy what's out there and, and I guess you just you learn as you go and things are changing fast. Um, on that note I, I did want to talk about 2020 and how crazy the year has been you know we've got COVID, environmental stress, natural disasters and many other uncertainty uncertainties uh, and a lot of people really feel hopeless and powerless. Do you think now more than ever you know the miracle morning millionaires the equation the movie coming out do you think this is the message and the whole mission is more important than ever given where we're at yeah um i so when the miracle morning when it was born right you know as my own little morning ritual not the book uh, it was it was the it, 2008 and the economy had crashed and you know most people are kind of at the mercy of the outer circumstances and world and uh, and as i was able to turn it around using the miracle morning and then i saw I, you know, I mean, thousands, millions of people have done similar things um, where they've been able to, you know, their life was going one way and, and, and then they were able to turn it around by turning themselves around, right? That, that's the premise of the Miracle Morning is it's about becoming the person that you need to be to create the results, the outcomes, the circumstances, the experiences internally and externally that you, that you want. And so I've been kind of, kind of waiting um, for the next economic crash. Like I've there's been, it's always been, it's been on my mind for the last few years because it usually happens like every 10 or 11 years and we're way past, you know, this is like the longest bubble we've had and I don't know how long. And so it's, it's kind of inevitable, like it, it, in, in, unless the history of the world doesn't repeat itself, then the economy is going to crash again, right? And so I've kind of been thinking like um, from a place of service, I go, I'm, when the when things start to turn, I go. I'm going to be even more passionate about sharing the Miracle Morning because that is it. It's this is how you take control of your life, no matter what's going on. It's how you start your day with intention and purpose and focus, so that you can emerge in throughout your day as a better version of the person that went to bed the night before. And every day, you're a better version of who went to bed the night before. And so, anyway, yes, answering your question, I do feel now more than ever. Um, the Miracle Morning is, and not even it's needed, but it has been for COVID. I cannot tell you, the Miracle Morning community is our Facebook group with 280,000 people in it. And during COVID, post after post after post is like, thank God I have my Miracle Morning or I don't know what I, I would be a mess right now. And then they would say, you know, I'm, 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 sometimes I'm a mess during the day, like so much crazy stuff being thrown at me. My business is failing, all these things. But that miracle morning, it's like every day I get to hit the reset button, get refocused, recentered, and, and, and you know, and, and go after it again. And um, in the movie, especially, it's you know, when I described the movie earlier, the way that it in or the last 30 minutes, the way that it kind of now has this this cancer journey, that to me is, you know, for me, cancer, COVID, right? They're all not walking again, car accidents, depression, bankruptcy. All that is, is outer circumstances that require, when our outer circumstances, the more uncertain they are, as you know, you use the word uncertain, the more uncertain they are, right, the more out of control they are, 
the more we have to double down on our self-care, on our personal development, the more important things like the Miracle Morning are. And so, yes, that's the long answer to the movie, the book, um, and, and just my resolve to keep sharing the Miracle Morning and elevating consciousness. Like, I, I'm more committed now than I've ever been before. I love it. Uh, last part of it. Do you think people now, because of circumstances, are more open-minded to these pivots and shifts in general? Well, yeah, I think the thing is when, when everything's going great, like when the economy is great, everything's going great, right? People don't feel a need to change anything, right? You know, it's kind of like, like when the real estate market's going, just crushing it and you're a real estate agent, right? You're just kind of like, I'm just showing up and houses are like selling themselves. <laughs> like this is easy, right? So then there's no like, not, there's no like feel like, well, I, I need to actually focus, right? I need to, I need to focus on myself and get better. So I do, I do think that when, when times are tough, you realize something has to change. And in fact, that's where for me in 2008, when I was debating doing this miracle more, and again, didn't have a name, but I was debating waking up an hour earlier and I'm looking at my schedule. I'm like, how am I, I can't wake up at 5 a.m. Like I'm not a morning person. I can get up at five. And then I heard one of my mentors voice in my head, Kevin Bracey always said, and it's very simple, but very profound. He said, if you want your life to be different, you have to be willing to do something different first. And that's when I went, I got to wake up an hour earlier tomorrow. You know, and, and it applies to business. If you want your business to be different, you have to be willing to do something different first. And so, yeah, I think that uh, now more than ever, um, people are definitely open to like, hey, something's got to change. And so I think that because the word, the miracle morning is such a word of mouth phenomenon. I mean, that's how, you know, it didn't get to a million copies because I did like, I didn't scale my podcast interviews. I'm doing, I was doing as many interviews as when I was selling a thousand copies, you know, right. It's because people, it changed their life and they talked about it. And so I do think now what I'm seeing is when, when someone comes and goes, I'm really struggling, like I'm struggling mentally, emotionally in my relationship, financially, if that person that they're talking to has read the miracle morning or, or seen the movie, I think that we're going to, you know, yeah, people are going to be like, Oh, you know, for 15 bucks, here, here's a solution, right? Like this changed my life radically and, and it can change your life, even though, you know, things are, or especially because things are so difficult right now. All right. Well, thank you. Kristen, for that, thank Kristen. you very much. Yeah, I appreciate all that. All right, we're going to our next show host. It is Pablo Gonzalez. Take it away, sir. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Hal, good to talk to you, man. This is hey, cool. Pablo. Nice to see you, brother. Good to see you too, man. You know, first of all, two of my best friends, Richard and Whitney Ritchie, um, were going through a real tough time, right? Especially Rich was going through some health problem, and uh, he implemented your Miracle Morning routine and his wife did it and they've implemented it as a family with their kids and it's really really changed their life man and they're bringing up this amazing family unit and uh, I just want to thank you for that like it's it's two people I love very much and and the effect you've had there has has been spectacular man so thank you for that you you are welcome and thank you for sharing that that means so much to me all right um how I'm a guy that's uh, obsessed with relationship building, right? Like, and I'm like a super networker and a really big extrovert and I'm driven by bringing people together. And it's, it was really easy just having that obsession on the low, low and, 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 and doing my thing. And now as, as my star starts to rise, I, I find that I have a certain amount of time in the day and, um, 
if I don't say no strategically to certain opportunities and relationships, it's, it, it, it harms the mission of what I'm trying to do. And I look at you as somebody whose star has meteorically risen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, get, I get where you're going. Yeah, and and um and you've and you kind of did it in, in kind of a similar right, like interviewing people that you've affected and putting them on a pedestal and and showing them on your stage is brilliant. Uh, but my question is, as your star was starting to rise and you were starting to feel that pressure. How did you begin to kind of decide how to say no to things once you were past the point of just say yes to everything and you had to really recognize your own limits? How did you, yeah. how did you choose who to build relationships with at that point? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And uh, the going back to flying by the seat of my pants, right? I, I don't know that I have a real, you know, rigid vetting process. Um, I think it's a lot of, intu- you know, a little more intuitive. Um, but it did definitely come to saying no to anything that wasn't in alignment with my my focus, immediate focus, right? Um, and so, and you know, I have an assistant, which it's very helpful that she, you know, she's kind of the gatekeeper in terms of she's able to like, she knows how to respond to to people. And she does often check with me and be like, hey, you know, this person, they sound like you guys are like old high school friends. I'm like, never heard of them. Like, so, you know, um, but, uh, but, but so great example is right now, the Miracle Morning movie premiere is 12-12-2020. And for probably about a month or two now, um, my assistant, like I basically, once I started to realize, dude, you know, wow, we're, we have more to get done for this movie launch than we have time. Like, at least I feel like then we have time to get done. It's crunch time, you know, for the next four or five months. And so it was her saying, um, uh, Hal is laser focused on the movie premiere and please circle back after the first of the year, right? Cause it's 12, 12, 2020. So after the first of the year and, uh, and, and then again, she like right now, she's aware that if it's something that's in alignment with my mission, which is to reach a hundred thousand people, you know, on that date of a hundred thousand people watch the movie live. Um, then that's when she calls me or texts me and says, Hey, this person messaged they've, you know, they like, for example, I did an interview yesterday. Um, you know, this, this gal, uh, she's the vice president of a, of a financial company. They have 35,000 employees. She's a raving miracle morning fan. And so basically the only yeses I'm saying right now is if I'm getting in front of an audience, that's, that's significant. Cause normally I say yes to most podcast interviews, you know? Um, and that's had to change also change a little bit. Like when you get to a, like you went to your star rises, now you're getting more, you're like, well, okay. If I, how am I going to determine which to say yes? If I can't say yes to them all, then you kind of have to set a criteria. Go, okay, well, I just, and I like, I don't even like having to say no, but I like, I just, I have to protect my time and I have to be able to say yes to the, those that are going to reach the most amount of people. Right. And so for me right now, that's kind of where it is. It's like, I'm trying to reach a lot of people with this message. And so that's kind of where, where the criteria, you know, is, is if, if there's a significant reach that they have, then um, yeah, I'll, I'll potentially sit down and do an interview. Um, and then if not, you know, then, then I, I may not be able to. So I'm hearing two things, right? If I could kind of distill yeah. it, right. I'm hearing be really crystal clear on what your end goal is, right? Like as if you're very clear on your mission that allows you to shed extra weight. Yep. And then I'm also hearing on a more basic level, listen to your body, right? Like if you're, if you're flying by the seat of your pants, are you, are you kind of like just in tune with that gut intuition of this feels right? Something like that. Yeah. Just 
Like just feel it. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, just feel if it's a yes or a no. Um, and again, the, uh, and, 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 and there's, you know, because being clear on the mission, it's not as much, I don't have to be as much gut right now as, well, look, this is a, you know, this is a brand new podcaster. Like when I was new and or when I, when the miracle morning came out and for years, I mean, until probably I just started getting too many requests, maybe a couple of years ago, I said yes to every single podcast. Right. Um, and, and I did it for two reasons. Uh, number one is, um, the, well, you know, you never know, maybe that podcaster is going to blow up and be big and you're their first episode. That'd be kind of cool to be the first episode, you know, that kind of thing. But then there's just a big part of me, which is why it's so hard to say no, you know, um, and I'm glad I have Tiffany to be able to say no for me. So I don't have to deal with the emotional, like, I don't want to reject somebody, but, um, but I always put myself in other people's shoes. I always try to do that. And so in the beginning, I'm like, if I were a new podcaster, and I was reaching out to someone, an author whose book I read that I love, right? I would hope they would say yes. And like that for me was how I made the decision early on that I'm saying yes to everyone. Um, you know, and again, I did that until I got to the point, like you said, if your star rises, then you have to create some criteria. So just creating criteria, um, you know, is it an alignment with your mission? Uh, and, you know, and it, it, is it an alignment at, at the level that you can allocate time, you know, relative to how many requests are coming in? That makes sense, man. So if you were to take podcasts out of it and just like, who do you become friends with these days, right? Like take out, take out the short-term goal of the movie, right? Like as far as like growing friendships out of the people that come into your inner circle, do you find, do you see any commonality in how that evolves? So I'm at a place, I just, I, you know, I live by my values, right? Of course. And, and um, so I, I try to help everyone I can and support everyone I can. And of course, just be a good kind, you know, loving human being to every person that I come in contact with. Right. And there's obviously relationship building in just, you know, Hey, that Hal did, couldn't do the thing I asked him to do, but he was very gracious about how he communicated and, and reject, you know, or, or turned me down or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then I'm also, you know, at a point honestly, where I, uh, I, I feel my capacity is really limited. Chemo really messed up my brain. Um, and this is, uh, and so I really struggle with my cognitive function right now. Like when I'm, when I'm talking, I, I do okay. But when I'm just looking at my to-do list or my computer, like I really struggle mentally um, to, to prioritize, to focus. Like I'm, it's getting better. I got off chemo like three months ago after being on it for three and a half years. So it's getting better. Um, but anyway, the, all of that is to say, uh, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm much more strict with saying no to anything that adds anything to my plate, you know? Um, and, and that includes friends. I'm like, I have more friends than I, you know, and even more, 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 co uh, colleagues, right. Then I can adequately, uh, um, maintain the quality of relationships that I want. So I'm not, I don't want anymore. You know, right? like I don't want anymore. Like to me, if I were to take on any, and it's both personal and professional friendships, taking on even any one that I take on, now it's harder to maintain the other ones that I've already, that I feel like I'm already falling short. You know, I don't have enough time to connect with everybody and hang out with everybody and add value to everybody in the way that I want to in my heart. So for me, it's, 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 it's just, it's much more of like a, it's an easier no now because I'm really clear on the, the I want quality of relationships versus quantity. That makes sense, man. From more money, more problems to no new friends, right? Like we've traversed <laughs> hip hop. Uh, if I have any more time, I would love to give you back the stage to give the, the, the six minute miracle morning application to your movie. I don't think you got to say that. The what, huh? 
you said that you were going to share how you're applying the six minute miracle morning to the movie launch. Oh no, the miracle equation to the movie. The launch. miracle equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Well, I'll say, I'll save that for, for, for the last, if we, if we can allow a, a five minutes for that, I'll save it for the, for the end, but thank you for that, Pablo. I appreciate it. You're the man, dude. I really appreciate this, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, yeah, this has been fantastic. If I'm not mistaken, we do have about five minutes left. Oh, the okay. Uh, yeah. 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 How's that feeling? Um, so, nice, um, Pablo. You teed it up. Uh, we will wrap that and, and, and uh, bounce it to you, Hal. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, thank you to uh, Larry, Kristen, and Pablo for uh, those those really phenomenal questions. And you can see in the chat, people were respecting and appreciating the questions. And from the from this side of the table, watching it, what I was just thinking is, uh, wow, I, I, I just love that you guys were able to, to do that because we never really get insight into our professional colleagues' techniques and questions when you're recording and when you're at the top of your game. So it was a really cool aspect to just be able to peek in to your journey. So thank you for that. Thank you, Hal, for for, uh, participating in that i'm going to throw it back to eric who'll tee you up for uh this miracle equation in the movie yeah yeah cool. let's let's hear it hal G give it to us because we're you know anything we can do to love and support on 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 your projects right now tell us uh, how, how you're incorporating the miracle equation to the movie release i appreciate that so uh, i wasn't applying it um initially and uh so the miracle equation real quick if you're not familiar it's the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable. And I created this when I was 20 years old. I was trying to hit a sales goal that I was trying to break a record that no one in 50 years that my company had been around uh, or the company I worked for had ever come close to this. And I was trying to do something, it felt like a miracle. So I called it, I'm like, what would I have to do to achieve this goal? And I, I realized I'd have to make two decisions. Number one, I have to maintain unwavering faith in myself and in the possibility that the goal that it could be reached, no matter what, there's no other option regardless of my results along the way. Most of us human beings, we're not programmed that way. We, we maintain faith in that which we believe has a very likely possibility. And anything that we don't really believe is possible, we tend to, like, we don't pursue it. When was the last time that you pursued a goal? You're like, yeah, I think that the odds of reaching this goal are like, it's like not even, no way, but I'm totally committed to giving it everything I have. Like, no, we usually set these incrementally greater goals to try to do a little better. Like I, I, I've almost done here, so I think I could get here, right? So the first is unwavering faith that in yourself and the possibility that you can achieve this outcome. And number two is extraordinary effort. And extraordinary effort in simple terms is, you know, I will do everything in my power. And of course, in the Miracle Equation book, I distill it into like, how do you define a specific repeatable process that the process involves the one or two top actions that if you do them every single day, right, or five days a week, that it will virtually guarantee that the outcome will be attained. Maybe not in the time frame you want. It might take longer. Like with the Miracle Morning, I wanted to sell a million copies the first year. It took me six years, right? But when you finally get to the point that you've been working so hard for for so long, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. You always look back and see the perfection in the journey. Mm -hmm. So bringing it to the Miracle Morning movie, my goal was to, to, for 10,000 people to watch the movie on December 12th, right? Which felt already like a stretch. I'm like, that's a, I, don't, I don't know if I've read 10,000 people do anything on one day, not like a book release or anything. That's huge. And my team comes back on our call and they go, Hal, we have a bigger number for you. We, we, we believe, we've crunched the numbers. We think you guys, that our team, that we could all get 100,000 people to watch the movie. And I'm like, well, 
I, I'm not going to tell you guys no, like, okay. But inside, I felt so much fear and so much pressure for the last like month or two since they said that. I'm like, like I can't get my head around how those numbers are going to come into play. And here is one of the most important parts of the miracle equation, which I don't even know if I fully got this across in the book. The reason I call it the miracle equation, one of the reasons is that when you commit to something that is outside the realm of what you believe is probable for you, and then you eventually hit it, which is why it feels like a miracle, but when you do that, forces beyond what you could ever plan or anticipate come to your aid to make that miracle a reality. And if I look at the miracle morning and how it came to be and how it reached millions of people and then we have 37 translations, that's all because I was at one dinner that I wasn't supposed to be at, like all these little coincidences that came into practice for all of this to happen and I never could have predicted a single one of them. And so the other day for the first time, like I was so living in fear, I wasn't living my message. And I, so I wouldn't tell anybody that I was going for a hundred grand. In fact, a hundred thousand people, I wouldn't even put it in my affirmations. Like I was living in fear. I was not living my message. And then the other day I decided to say it to somebody on an interview. I was like, yeah, I was like, my goal was 10,000 people, but my team thinks we can do a hundred thousand. I'm like, I have no idea how. And she's like, we have 35,000 employees. She's like, I didn't know you had a movie. I'll get it. Give it, send me stuff. I'll get it to them. I'm like, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. If I hadn't put it out there and like, that's all I needed to be like, oh yeah, I wrote a book about this shit. Like, <laughs> I'm like, when you commit and you maintain unwavering faith, no matter how long it takes, no matter how the results are along the way, because usually there's some failure and some dips and some valleys, right? But you maintain unwavering faith, no matter what, there's no other option that you will eventually reach that outcome and you put forth extraordinary effort. That's how you create miracles in your life, tangible, measurable miracles. And so, yeah, it's been so exciting. So then uh, I was interviewing John Asaraf on my podcast two days ago, which I'm a huge fan of John Asaraf. And at the end, he's like, how can I help you? I'm like, oh, well, we have this movie coming out, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Hal, we're on the same team, man. We're, do, we're, trying to, we're both trying to reach a billion people. The way I see it, he's like, I'll help you. Send me stuff. We'll get it out there, right? And then Robert Kiyosaki booked me back on his show and he's going to put it on his YouTube channel that has 1.5 million subscribers. Like once I decided to step over the line of fear and step into faith that a hundred thousand people is possible, right? All of a sudden, all these miracles are showing up. And um, so, yeah, so that's, I just, it was a reminder to me that I need to reread the, my own book, right? Like, and, um, and that the miracle equation, it's, it's the same, it, the miracle equation those two decisions, think about any successful person in the world that achieved something extraordinary. They had to maintain unwavering faith that they could, and they had to put forth extraordinary effort until they did. And it was those two decisions that they didn't make once, but they lived by them over and over, day after day after day after day. They encountered fear, they replaced it with faith. They felt lazy, they read their affirmations, they put forth that effort, and eventually, anything that you want to accomplish in your life, anything is possible. The only variable is timing. 
Yeah. Not, not, wow. Yeah, brother. That's powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, geez. What a button. The community here, obviously, we're going to do anything and everything in our power to, to help you with that movement and that miracle. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that, that you're, I think you're going to go beyond 100,000. Uh, so, you know, be prepared for that. Um, I also, uh, I have a thought and I was kind of tempted, uh, you know, like hesitant to tell you this, but uh, because it's, it, it seems wild that you remind me of Michael Jordan, the thing he said. And I'll never forget this. I, I witnessed him play once. Um, wow. Lucky. Garden. Yeah. And he was absolutely amazing. He's the Jordan that I absolutely expected him to be. And the reason he is that and is a legend and an icon, because he said in an interview, probably several times, but I heard him say it once, he goes, I never know who's in the audience that has never seen me play. Mm. So I bring my best every single night. You brought it, brother. You were the Jordan today, brother. Thanks. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Thank you everybody. Thank you, Thank you for everything you do, everything you've done. And I think I'm speaking for the PodMax family. We love you, man. And appreciate you. And, and thanks for changing our lives. I love you too, brother. PodMax, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Jen Josie, I freaking love you. It's so good to see you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, everybody, MiracleMorningMovie.com. You can get your ticket today and I will see you at the world premiere. Awesome, brother. We'll be there. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral. And as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. <laughs> <laughs>